Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride, Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk with the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Indiana University, Bennett Burtenthal. If you'd like to join us on the program, please call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition and uh, send us questions or comments and also you can follow us on Twitter. We are full service here. You can mm. follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Well, welcome, Bennett. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this hour. Sure. Mary Catherine. Hi, Bob. Oh, yeah, I missed last week. I'm sorry. I hope it We missed went you. Well. Yeah. We carried on without you, but it wasn't the same. It was about life sciences, right? Uh, yes, weekend. it was. It was yeah. very interesting. Well, we're going to switch from uh, life. You know, you can stream that online. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check it out after this program. All right, good. We're going to switch from life sciences today, though, to talk about the liberal arts because that's, uh, I know, my that's my background and your background. That's right. And we. We've succeeded. We're still feeding We're ourselves, still, each, right. so that's a good sign. Right. Yeah. We are. But the uh, the College of Arts and Sciences is the largest and oldest of IU schools um, and as the uh, website says, it, the uh, intellectual core of the university. It's, uh, it's uh, something that you know, probably doesn't get as much conversation these days as – as the uh, the lobbyists go to the legislature, the the university's folks trying to ask for money because nobody wants to talk about just the intellectual core and getting smarter. People want to talk about how am I going to get a job. So, mm-hmm. what what kind of issues does that bring to you? I think you're absolutely right that today, so many students and their parents are concerned about whether a college education is going to provide them with an immediate job and. Often there's a rush to judgment. Students are thinking about um, getting a degree that provides them with professional training that allows them to go into business or some technical field. But Mm -hmm. we have to think about this in terms of the big picture and what are we trying to accomplish in college. It should be more than just providing a job. And one of the most important reasons is that Today, we live in such a fast-changing, dynamic world that people are going to be changing not only their jobs but their professions probably a half a dozen times Mm -hmm. in their life. So what should a college education do for an individual to prepare them for the rest of their life? Certainly, we want them to develop a broad background Um, have uh, a um, wide range of knowledge in different areas and develop the critical thinking skills and communication skills that will help them regardless of uh, the field they choose to go into. It's uh, in many ways thinking about um, providing uh, the mind with an opportunity to continue to expand and become Mm -hmm. better prepared for the uh, life's work ahead of them. Yeah, kind of a framework for processing the world uh, around you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, One of the ironies to me, we've had a couple of programs in here, one with the the folks from um, the Project School, Mm -hmm. one with the folks from the uh, New Tech High high School. And and it seems like at those levels, people are talking about exactly what you're talking about, talking about how just teaching people to – um, memorize information or to follow one track isn't nearly as strong an education as teaching problem solving, how to apply different um, intellectual thought to different issues. And, and so it's sort of ironic that people in high schools are starting to talk like that. And now it seems like you have to 
fight for uh, getting that message out to people at the university level. That may be true and it may be because we've become so fixated on trying to ensure that we're preparing students for a highly technological world, um, one that's more complex, that we um, are forgetting some of the uh, basic um, skills and um, types of knowledge that are really important for students. It seems like a liberal arts education, its popularity kind of ebbs and flows. I remember um, going through a cycle of this kind of in the the 80s and 90s where there was a resurgence of popularity of the liberal arts education where employers were saying, look, you know, just bring us people who know how to think and, and we'll take it from there. Do you see that cresting coming around again? Not yet, Not but yet. it's going to be fascinating to see what happens given the uh, current recession. So mm-hmm. for the last um, five, six years, so many students thought that the um, best way to go was to get a business degree. And mm-hmm. in fact, uh, we were seeing some of the very best minds siphoned off into business schools, which is important. But I think that students can always get the training that they need for business school sometime later in life. Um, uh, I, I think that's true in general, that more specialization can occur after college. And I now think that this is going to continue to occur throughout um, individuals' lives because they're going to need new skills for either staying in the same profession or moving to a different profession. The, the, um, the college has so many different um, areas of study. Are there some that are seem to be growing in popularity versus others? Which are the ones that are the hottest right now? That's an interesting question because you certainly see um, even short-term trends. And one of the areas that's certainly uh, growing very quickly now is a new um, program that uh, we created just a few years ago called International Studies. Mm -hmm. And in um, less than four years' time, we have over 300 majors in that field. Um, There are also um, many uh, departments that I think um, have been very popular um, for decades and they continue to be popular departments like biology, uh, psychological and brain sciences. But um, I also think strategic languages, which has been a major strength of the uh, university for decades, is growing in importance and a lot of that is traceable to 9-11. Mm-hmm. Are all the all the languages under the college? They are. Yeah. And we're talking about over 70 languages and more than 40 less commonly taught languages. Mm-hmm. So we have a very special um, opportunity um, for providing um, students not only with um, language training but um, the ability to learn about the cultures of many um, countries that – uh, people uh, until they go to college may not even be able to pronounce the names of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking with uh, Bennett Burtenthal, who's the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Indiana University in Bloomington. If you'd like to join us on the program, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join the discussion at our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can follow us at Noon Edition on Twitter. Um, the international uh, studies portion of this, is, as you said, it's been growing. Um, what kind of international travel requirements or um, programs, I guess, do you support? Do you, do you expect each of your students in international studies to spend some time abroad? That's the goal. Uh, of course, it's still expensive for students uh, to go abroad, though I think um, IU um, Bloomington is um, one of the um, schools that can boast um, a um, relatively large portion of the student body um, studying abroad. It may be for as short as uh, a week or for as long as an entire year. But um, I don't have the statistics off the top mm-hmm. of my head. It, it may be as many as um, – 20 to 30 percent of the students Mm -hmm. are um, spending some time abroad, which is an enormous number. And reciprocally, we have more students from other countries um, here at the university. There are almost um, 
5,000 students, and um, <laughs> many of these students are um, being um, um, supported by their um, own countries because they can receive such an outstanding um, education here at IU. We, my wife and I had two uh, international students from Kazakhstan that we were um, yes. we were through the worldwide friendship or Bloomington World Worldwide Friendship Program, and uh, as I understand it, there were forty or so students in their group that came here. There just a, a large group of Kazakh students who are on campus. Is that true? Yeah. That wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, I yeah. don't know about that particular uh, program in particular, but Kazakhstan is one of the areas where we have a um, working uh, relationship and um, through one of our area studies programs that focuses on Central Eurasian countries, we do um, um, a lot of work in developing partnerships with people in um, these countries. Mm-hmm. The uh, the we've had President McRobbie on here on mm-hmm. two or three occasions, and he obviously talks about the importance of international study, and that's one of his uh, major areas. Could you sort of put in your own words, you know, why you think it's important for students to be getting this international exposure? Sure, I think uh, Tom Friedman probably coined uh, the term of the decade that the world is flat, and there's no doubt about it that. Today, more than ever before, um, the likelihood of um, being um, in correspondence through the internet or through work um, with someone from another country is much greater than it ever was. We um, need to um, ensure that for people to effectively communicate that they not only speak the language but they know the culture and um, this is a major challenge in the United States where we have fewer bilingual speakers than any of the um, other um, major uh, countries in the world and it's uh, staggering how small the number are and I think it's a real obligation of every major university to ensure that students at least develop a working knowledge of a foreign language. Mm -hmm. I just uh, should add that um, I um, could see the benefits of this um, not not as much in my own experience um, but um, through my uh, daughters, both of whom are fluent in other languages and it's opened up doors for them mm-hmm. that would have never been possible without these languages. Yeah, it's amazing. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other things that the College of Arts and Sciences includes so our listeners can get a, a little bit more of a, a broad-based sure. picture. Okay. Let me just start with uh, some of the overall statistics. We have uh, about 10,000 undergraduate majors. We have 1,000 faculty, another 500 um, professional staff. So it's a huge organization and um, we need this to um, serve um, over 40 um, academic departments, 29 programs, a a few dozen centers and institutes and we cover the waterfront. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's everything from um, the uh, study of anthropology and archaeology to learning the language Zulu. (laughs) And um, we we can break the college into four major divisions. There are the um, natural and physical sciences, the social sciences, the humanities and arts and um, foreign languages and culture. I think that um, this is an outstanding institution um, for any student who wants to receive a broad education and helps to ensure that no matter how many times a student may change their mind about what their major should be, Mm -hmm. there's going to be an opportunity for them to get the requisite courses here at the college. More importantly, or at least as important, we have one of the most talented and um, just um, hardworking uh, faculty of any research institution in the uh, country. And it's a real uh, testament to the legacy of Herman Wells for um, making this an outstanding um, national and now international university that allows us to attract the very best faculty who in turn are offering um, a first-class education to students. Mm-hmm. That's a huge number of people, a huge number, both staff and students. What's your function as as dean? It sounds just um, 
a little overwhelming, frankly. I I think it is, which is why I try not to repeat these uh, numbers uh, too often. <laughs> it's better to act than to just think about them. And I think that um, I, I view my role as um, the um, person who is responsible for assembling a large group of associate and assistant deans who are able to manage mm-hmm. uh, more – uh, specialized and smaller portions mm-hmm. of the college. So I think that um, probably one of the most important um, uh, jobs I have is selecting and then retaining the very best people to be um, associate deans. And I, I know why that's so challenging because people who are really um, well qualified for this position probably never thought about doing it and probably would not do it unless they could be persuaded. And I feel very fortunate that I've been able to persuade an outstanding group of people who are responsible for um, just um, helping uh, the college to uh, become more successful each year. The uh, Talking about the whole idea of attracting and retaining the top people, um, it's very competitive – world out there in higher education, how do you get involved in, in recruiting? You know, where do you, not, not where do you look exactly, but how do you go about finding these people? Okay. You're absolutely right. It's incredibly competitive and it's almost like um, an arms race in academia. In the sciences, to recruit the best um, faculty, we need to make sure that um, first of all, we provide them with what is um, the constant necessities for all faculty, which is um, to offer them time to um, provide them with um, the freedom to study what is important to them and to respect the work that they're doing. Um, These were the three priorities for Herman Wells um, and I believe that they're just as important today. Mm -hmm. The difference today is that science has exploded in many different directions. It's become very expensive. Um, It costs a great deal of money to um, outfit a lab, to um, build new buildings that have the infrastructure and the core facilities necessary for scientists. And this is a huge investment, which is why um, it becomes synergistic. If you want the best... um, faculty, you need to then be able to invest in the best facilities and that in turn will help you to attract the best graduate students. The same applies in all other fields as well. Um, Sometimes it's not as um, clear cut as just provisioning faculty with big labs. But for example, in our um, language and uh, cultures um, area, we're in the process of beginning to design a new international studies building which is going to house all the foreign language and area studies programs and it's going to be a magnificent building. We have been working with a an architectural firm, uh, Polshek, um, out of um, New York City and they have come up with just a beautiful design for this building which I think is going to be a real testament to the long-standing support and um, interest that the university has had in international studies. Um, Mm -hmm. Same applies to all other areas. You need to be willing to invest in providing faculty with the infrastructure they need. Mm -hmm. When you're face-to-face with one of these top candidates, maybe for a, let's say, a a professorship in... Oh, I don't know. One of the social sciences. Sure. Um, so you're going to want to offer them, as you said, you want to offer them time to do what they're passionate about, um, stu- to study what they're passionate about, and then respect that work. Um, how does that, you know, down at the professor level, how does that work? How much time would you be able to provide, and how much support for somebody coming in to do the kind of research they want to do, as well as teach the mm-hmm. undergraduates and graduate students? I think this is um, a pretty standard um, formula and um, the 
the real answer depends on just what the tolerance of the individual is for how much uh, time they want to devote to their work. And of course, this is not a nine-to-five job mm -hmm. for anybody in academia. All the faculty um, are expected uh, to teach a number of uh, courses per semester. It varies to some extent depending on the field that they're in. But part of the reason that it varies is that teaching doesn't occur only in the classroom. It occurs in the laboratory. It occurs through um, more informal um, uh, seminars and meetings and in the sciences there are more of those that occur. So typically in the sciences, um, faculty will teach between two and three um, courses a year. In the uh, social sciences and the humanities and arts, it's more often going to be um, four courses a year. But as I said, that's only uh, one part of their um, real um, teaching responsibility and there's so much other time that is spent um, with the uh, students. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I think the um, hallmark for a major research university is that it can offer a true integration between research and education. So students learn in the classroom but then by apprenticing themselves or um, working um, with a faculty. And it can be in a lab. It can be on um, as an assistant um, to a journal or it can be doing research for a new book project. Mm -hmm. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join us at uh, wfiu.org slash noon edition or follow us on Twitter which is uh, at Noon Edition. Um, our guest today, again, is Bennett Burtenthal, who's the dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Indiana University. We've hit uh, halftime in our program, so we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, wfiu.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, wfiu.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zalsberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael and our guest today, the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Indiana University, Bennett Burtenthal. If you'd like to join us on the program, please call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. That's for those of you outside of the Bloomington area. And you can uh, join us on our website, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, or even follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. And we have uh, somebody who's taken advantage of the phones. So let's go to Lori on the phone. Lori? Hello, Lori. Hello. Hi, Lori. Go yeah, ahead. This is Glory. Oh, Glory. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Go right ahead. Hi. Um, I'm a graduate of Indiana University, proud graduate, and... Um, <laughs> I'd like to um, respond to the speaker's mention of um, the new building for arts and for the languages. And I'm surprised that with all the fine lead architects we have here locally in Indiana or in Chicago, why would Indiana University be using an architect from New York City? I think that's a fair question. My sense is that uh, this is uh, typically what happens when looking for an architectural firm to uh, complete a major um, 
building uh, project um, in um, any uh, large institution. I should clarify that although the um, firm is located in New York City, they're also using about a half a dozen other architectural firms and landscaping firms locally. The reason for choosing this particular firm is um, partly a function of the specific experience that they've had with uh, these buildings and the design ideas that they proposed. It was part of a competition. We certainly um, considered um, architectural firms from the Midwest, but this was the one that was um, thought to be um, most qualified. And a follow-up question, sure. if, if that's possible. Yeah, sure. go ahead. Will the building be L-E-E-D? Absolutely. Um, all of the buildings at IU will be LEED buildings um, in the future. We have one that's going to be completed next fall, and I believe it's going to be a silver LEED building, if not a gold. Okay, well, thank you very much. All right, thanks a lot for the call. 855-0811-877-285-9348. And we have another caller, and it's Mike. Mike? Hi. Um, I have a question about how much latitude an individual department may have when trying to recruit a highly sought-after faculty member. Um, in particular, can the department choose to offer more money, better teaching load, and this kind of stuff, or is that the kind of decision that gets made um, at the college level or the university level? Uh, so if you could just comment on that, that would be great. It's a complicated question. Um, it's always going to be a collaborative uh, decision. It begins with the department, and if the department feels that there are um, particularly good reasons why this is the right person um, for them to hire to fill a position, they will make a case to me, and it will be uh, the decision of the college as to how much we can invest in the um, individual who they're trying to hire. All right. Thank you very much for that question, Mike. And we have another question, another caller. It's Nita. Hi, Nita. Hi. Um, everybody, I think, is delighted and thrilled with the prospect of the new international building. But what I wanted to ask you is, is that location a done deal? Because I haven't heard anybody express any interest Actually, opposition is expressed in that location, which yeah. I agree with completely. Well, first, where is the location? The, Pardon me? Uh, I'm going to ask the dean where the location it's is. It's next door okay. to this building. It's okay. actually going oh, to yeah. straddle the arboretum between the library and this building. I'm just curious, what what do you hear as the opposition to this location? Um, it's going to crowd up that part of campus to an unacceptable degree. It's going to take away the opportunity for students and uh, people attending events at the auditorium and fine arts building and Lilly Library to park. And there's so many other good places. Are One of the places I heard originally they were considering was where Office of Student Ethics and Legal Services, that block which seems to me a much better choice. Is, but that, is, that, is it a done deal? That's okay. I'm going to have to refer to a famous quote made by our uh, president when he was um, running, uh, which is, this is above my pay grade, and I'm um, not uh, the person who makes these decisions. But I would just like to point out that um, aside from parking, which I understand many people are upset about because they would rather have the convenience of parking um, closer to the buildings, there are some very compelling intellectual reasons for having a building located um, adjacent to the Wells Library as well as to uh, the auditorium and the theater and the MAC because this building is going to be a hub for so many other activities and it's going to be able to have complementary activities going on in the Wells Library. It becomes intellectually challenging when um, buildings are spread out more than they need to be. So there's always a trade-off. I appreciate that there are reasons for wanting to maintain the spaciousness of the campus. But I think that 
when people see the design of the new building, they'll have to agree that it was done with great sensitivity to preserving both the um, um, local um, vegetation and landscaping and also um, designed in a way that I don't think is going to crowd the area. All right, Nita, thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. All right. 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can uh, find us at uh, on WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. Also, you can follow us at uh, uh, at Noon Edition on Twitter. People who, who live around here are always very interested in the nuts and bolts of what's going on on campus. So when we get a chance to pick a dean's brain, boy, we're all over it. It's good I, stuff. Yeah. I, I can appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bob, at break, I really liked what you were saying and, and it, it echoed my own experience mm-hmm. and I thought it, might, it kind of bears repeating well, while we're on the air. Yeah, well, I'm, as a small town Hoosier growing up in a small town, I, I had no real concept of anything other than you go to a university to be taught um, – things. Uh, I didn't have the concept of, of research and I think that's that's not that unusual for people who are growing up in smaller communities in, in Indiana. As Mary Catherine said, you know, this must be a sort of a constant fight to, to be out there or a constant um, sales, p- sales pitch. You, you're you know. constantly educating people and saying this is why we right. – and I prefer to think about it as educating rather than <laughs> selling. Right. I am an educator and I, I think it is a very important message and it's one that I'm pleased to be able to repeat and to try to explain um, to people who haven't um, heard um, the reasons for the value of a um, major research institution and its contributions to education and to the um, – over um, the local uh, community as well as the state. And when you hear how many um, students we graduate that end up going into um, companies all over the state, you realize that we are a very important pipeline for the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You must have some fairly high level of frustration right now with the current budget process that's going on in the state of Indiana. How do you anticipate that's going to impact your uh, plans within the department? We're frustrated um, primarily because there are still so many unknowns about the budget for next year. But we've been aware that this was happening since uh, the beginning of the year. It's really tragic. We had so many great plans for this year beginning in the fall and we um, saw the breaks coming on uh, very quickly. I think it's important for a major research institution to not enter into a period of stagnancy and we're just going to have to be very strategic in the way that we allocate our funds to ensure that we can continue to invest in uh, new initiatives and those that um, have priority even um, at the expense of possibly delaying or um, having to um, just constrain uh, some of the others. However, I uh, have told the faculty and the staff that my number one priority is to ensure that we will um, try um, as hard as possible to um, avoid um, having to lay off anyone or to um, have to um, move toward a furlough for a number of days next year. Mm -hmm. And at least in the college, I feel confident that uh, we were um, careful enough in conserving our resources that we'll be able to get through this year. Um, It won't be as well as we would have liked, but we'll get through it. Unfortunately, many people are thinking about this over the short term and it's going to be even more difficult the following year. Mm. And that's partly because of endowments that will continue to go down because they're – the interest um, is calculated on a um, um, 12-quarter moving average Mm -hmm. and also um, everybody is um, telling us that the recovery is going to be very slow. So even if we we hit the bottom soon – we anticipate it's going to take a long time until we receive that infusion of funds that we're going to need. Well, before we go, I know you've got some email. Before we go to that, what are some of the uh, exciting plans that you have for this fall that you hope that you can still continue with? This one is more than a hope. This yeah. is uh, <laughs> definitely going to happen and it's the inaugural year 
of a new initiative we're calling Themester. Now, you can't look up Themester in the dictionary. It's not part of the um, standard lexicon yet. But Themester is going to be a, um, an activity that I think will uh, become very well known um, to every Hoosier student that attends IU. But I think it's going to become well known throughout the community. And the reason is that this is designed first and foremost – to ensure that um, faculty, students, and residents of the community can take advantage of some of the most exciting and broad intellectual uh, problems that um, we confront as a society. Themester is going to be a multidisciplinary initiative that next year will offer over 40 courses, a number of theater productions, um, special uh, library um, exhibits, art exhibits, um, and a variety of uh, partnerships with um, the community, including the uh, school system and Wonder Lab. And the theme for next year is going to be um, evolution, diversity, and change. Now, there's a very important reason for this theme. It um, marks the 200th anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin and the 150th anniversary of the publication of On the Origin of Species. Mm -hmm. And we're going to include um, a number of um, very distinguished outside speakers. And um, this initiative gives us the opportunity to include a number of the other schools and um, uh, units on campus. So, for example, one of the speakers we'll bring in next year will be Judge Johnny Jones, who um, was the um, presiding judge in the case in uh, Pennsylvania where um, they ruled against in, uh, teaching intelligent design in the schools. Mm. We're also working with uh, the Cardinal uh, Stage Theater Company to produce Inherit the Wind. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to just generate um, a real buzz and level of enthusiasm mm -hmm. about a uh, very important uh, topic that deserves a great deal of um, attention and cuts across all of the standard disciplinary boundaries that um, as a dean I'm often fighting to um, try to blur as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you certainly didn't start with an easy topic. No. Uh, that'll, that'll get some good, uh, good, con good discussion going. We hope so. <laughs> I think it's also a nice uh, town and gown partnership, and I'm very pleased to hear that so many local, you know, community-based uh, organizations, as opposed to university, strictly university-based organizations, are working hand in hand. So I applaud you for that. That's Thank a, you. That's a really neat thing. We, we like to think about um, our sphere of influence extending beyond the sample gates. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, I think it does, yes. <laughs> We've had a couple of emails that have come in. Here's one. Um, it says, uh, since going to college for most people stems from a matter of process rather than any real desire to learn, what real job prospects are there for the thousands of students who graduate every year with a degree in partying and a minor in folklore but no real education or experience? I felt the warmth behind that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I I, I want to emphasize again, though um, I trying to um, think about this more as a dean than possibly as a parent, that education is a multifaceted um, experience. And certainly we have the greatest control over what students learn in the classroom. But there are so many other parts of life's experiences that are learned while students are at a university. Mm -hmm. And let me just emphasize what some of these are. They're exposed to diversity. In many cases, um, students may come from a very homogeneous background. This is their first real opportunity to have this exposure. We already talked about internationalization and globalization. Going to a large uh, major uh, university ensures that students are exposed to uh, different cultures and uh, different uh, belief systems and possibly um, some of the um, social um, activities that they're engaged in while not typically thought about as educational do still um, 
provide uh, students with um, the types of intellectual challenges that are going to uh, help uh, prepare them for um, some of the um, jobs that they may that they may um, want to pursue after college. Well, I I don't know if they, if these people uh, graduated with degrees in partying or not, but a few of the college's um, alums are uh, Will Shorts, who of course designed his own degree, and that's right. Now the New York Times puzzle editor. Uh, Jane Pauley, great journalist, and this one really got me, Dr. Lawrence Einhorn, sure. who is, uh, of course, one of the primary cancer physicians in the, in the world. And so. they're on our website, but let me just mention yeah. a few others because uh, these are members of my advisory board. I'm incredibly indebted to them. Many of them, not all, but many of them grew up in small towns. For example, Don Knaus, who's now the CEO of Clorox. Um, graduated from IU with a degree in history, is incredibly appreciative of the education that he received here. And he pays that back um, all the time with his support. In fact, he is underwriting uh, the first year of the semester. So we're deeply um, indebted to people like him. We don't know how many parties he went to, but I'm guessing he probably was at one or two. I I don't know. (laughs) Let's hope that he he was was able to enjoy himself. Well, and I, I would just add one last comment to that, which is, you know, if you party too much, the university does offer you an involuntary break from school. So, you know, apparently they're, they're yeah. doing enough while partying and, and uh, whatnot to – if they're still here, they're, they're doing something right. That's right. And some people follow the adage, you uh, work hard and you play hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's another question that's come in uh, via email. It says, what are the chances that IU Bloomington will have a major available for Chinese in the near future? We already um, teach uh, the Chinese language and this is actually uh, one of the leading institutions in the United States for the teaching of um, Chinese. Our um, um, Director of um, the flagship center for uh, Chinese, Jennifer Liu, is um, reputed um, to be one of the um, major instructors um, for the Chinese language and runs a um, summer uh, center each year to uh, teach um, high school teachers Mm -hmm. um, how to better teach Chinese to their students. So while... um, we don't have a major specifically in Chinese. Students can certainly concentrate in that area through the department East Asian Languages and Culture. Okay. So All opportunities right. already available yep. along those yes. lines. Our phone number, 855-0811-877-285-9348, WFIU.org slash Noon Edition and at Noon Edition on Twitter. Um, I know that the college embarked on a strategic plan and. 2008, September of 2008. Where where is that plan at this point? We're um, just finishing up uh, feedback on a draft uh, strategic plan that has uh, been written at this point. And Mm -hmm. we're so thankful that we had decided to engage in this planning process over the current year because there's probably no more important time than when you're facing um, a downsizing uh, budget to have a strategic plan as Mm -hmm. a roadmap for um, what represents the major priorities Mm -hmm. and how you may be able to economize. But also, are there ways that we might be able to generate um, new revenue? Mm -hmm. And all of that is part of the strategic plan. After the draft was completed, there were a number of town hall meetings where faculty and staff um, could um, provide uh, feedback. We um, had the uh, strategic plan up on the web and um, it was um, uh, downloaded uh, well over 500 times. So we're getting quite a bit of feedback and the goal is to uh, try to finalize the uh, plan in the next two months and roll it out by the uh, beginning of the fall semester. Mm-hmm. Now, I might note that, um, of course, I did – I've mentioned a few times I've visited your website. So there are – all those four areas that you talked about 
um, the physical science, the physical and natural sciences, social sciences, humanities and arts and language and cultures are involved in here in a different in, in a number of ways. But also, um, I was interested in this one: the engagement, government, private industry, community, and alumni as one area. Yes. What kind of thoughts have you gotten on that? I think this um, often is um, neglected when. Um, faculty are thinking about uh, what their priorities are. But certainly as an educational institution that is um, located in Bloomington in the state of Indiana, we want to think about how um, our outreach um, extends well beyond um, the university itself. And mm -hmm. to that end, um, we want to um, think about um, ways that we can do a better job of, for example, partnering with private industry. You uh, just heard last week about the life sciences. Um, we are one of the principal drivers of uh, life sciences basic research in the state. And it is absolutely critical for the private industries to be able to partner with us, uh, especially given how expensive um, the provisioning of um, uh, cutting-edge scientific research uh, can be. We also um, want to be able to um, provide outreach on so many of the different um, initiatives related to uh, language and culture programs and other um, work where uh, stu students here but after they graduate um, seem to benefit from being exposed to uh, continuing developments and that's all part of the mission of the university. So it even includes our um, theater arts department which has uh, the Broadway Cabaret uh, group and they go around the state and they provide performances and this is just an outstanding uh, group of uh, talented uh, young people and where the beneficiaries are we now, mm -hmm. not just the college, but the entire state. Mm -hmm. So it's, I know that you're, you feel uh, somewhat criticized sometimes for the broad-based uh, approach of a liberal arts degree. Um, but it sounds like you're making real efforts to respond directly to the needs of business and industry by the outreach that you're doing. Is that, that's a specific goal then within your department to say, hey, you know, we've got industry over here who's looking for people with this, these groups of liberal arts skills. Let's see what we can do to provide those. I'm not sure it's quite as prescriptive as um, trying to um, fashion our training to meet um, the needs of uh, specific uh, industries. But we certainly have to be um, aware and informed of what the uh, job requirements are for uh, different industries and make sure that students are getting uh, tr the type of training that they need. More often, I think um, it becomes a reciprocal where it's the um, different uh, industries, especially the life science industries, which are um, a sizable um, group in the uh, state mm -hmm. that benefits um, from the not only our training students, but um, from the um, basic research that's going on in the uh, laboratories where they can uh, sometimes uh, partner with us and um, also just ex exchange intellectual ideas through symposia and other meetings. Mm -hmm. Okay. In, in the, the years that you've been involved, you, you talked about uh, before we went on the air, you were mentioning you'd been in, in Charlottesville in Virginia for 20 years. 20 years and then you were in Chicago. Um, in the years that, that you know, you've been involved in, in higher education and you've been a, um, an observer, I mean, how, how have your feelings about liberal arts changed? That is, you know, have you just continued to sort of build the passion for the liberal arts? Are there areas of the liberal arts now that you think are more important than ever? Um, I'm probably going to approach this question uh, sideways because um, – That's all right. I, I have a sideways to... question. So. <laughs> I, I think like most of us um, who uh, – went to uh, college at a time when we just took a liberal arts education for granted. It's something that I didn't think much about even after becoming a professor. Um, this was simply uh, what um, I was interested in doing um, and I was 
primarily focused in a specific area of liberal arts, which was my own research. Mm-hmm. But and what was it? What was your yeah, t- what was my, your research? My my area is cognitive neuroscience. So uh-huh. I study how the brain works. Uh-huh. And over time, as I began to um, move into uh, positions to represent science, um, I spent. Um, four years as an assistant director of the National Science Foundation, I began to appreciate uh, the value of a broad liberal arts education, even for scientists. And this is something that I think is often forgotten. You wouldn't want somebody who's going to spend their career um, in science simply um, getting um, courses in science during their undergraduate years, although that's what happens in many European universities and that's why U.S. universities are special. And as I began to have to think about um, the the value of a liberal arts education and of course uh, becoming the dean of the college has um, brought this to the forefront, I've been challenging myself to be clear on why the education that I received and that I'm such a strong proponent for truly um, confers certain advantages that are um, better than any of the other opportunities that students can receive. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that every student is prepared or should um, follow a liberal arts education, but I worry that there are many students who are highly qualified but rush to judgment and do not um, take advantage of a liberal arts education and they're um, unfortunately going to be disadvantaged later Mm -hmm. because as we've said, um, students are going to probably be confronted with changing their careers many times over Mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. And as you said, again, I'm going to quote you from your website, our students develop the skills of communication, reasoning and analysis necessary to succeed in a rapidly changing technological and global environment. Very well said. All right. We are out of time. I want to thank you for being here. It's been delightful. I hope you'll come back. It's my pleasure. All right. I want to thank our guest today, the Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at IU, Bennett Burtenthal. Uh, for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.